My guest this week is another sailor who's competing out in Princess Sophia, and he's fresh off winning a Stokes Bay qualifying. In actual fact, he won the last race at Weymouth, and you're only as good as your last race, aren't you, James? So, of course, it's James Percival Cook. How are you, James? I'm not too bad, thanks. Yeah, no, it's been it's quite nice out, out here at the moment. Um, weather dependent now, I think, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you missed out on the, the rain and the wind last week when you were still in the UK when you had some cracking weather. Mm, and, yeah. And since you've been out, you've brought, brought some with you, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I think it only goes so far, though. I mean, it's a bit chilly still, but yeah. Yeah, today was exceptionally cold um, on the water. Just just describe sort of your sailing today. Just paint a picture for everybody back home. Um, so it's just coming straight off the city of Palma and dropping down the mountains, and it's just all over the place, shifty, puffy. Um, you never know what's going to happen, to be honest. Um, just yeah, really up and down breeze, but sort of learning curve. It's all good fun at the end of the day. And anywhere sort of in the UK that it's you know familiar to, where it might tumble over hills, not mountains, of course. So it could be quite similar to, um, I think, Pukheli. Yeah. It could be when it's coming off the mountains there. For sure. Um, I think it's definitely very funky around here, though. There's just so many different weather systems it can take into account. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's start right back at the beginning. So how did you get into sailing? You know, what are sort of your early memories of, of the sport? Um, I got into sailing... Um, my grandma actually bought my first boat, an Optimus, um, down at Norfolk Broads Yacht Club. And I, you know, I initially actually hated going sailing, um, especially racing. Wasn't a competitive type when I was younger. Um, yeah, I just didn't want. I just wanted to go out, go out and sail my boat. Don't want to, didn't want to race anyone else. Um, but yeah, she bought me my first boat. My um, granddad used to be a, a powerboat driver. Um, and he sadly died before I, before I was born. Um, so I never really met him, and I think that was my way, my grandma's way of, kind of almost passing the torch to me and trying to get me into, the sport that he loved. Um, yeah, also a big fo- uh, fond sailor. Kind of in sort of you know in a way his memory sort of thinking oh what he would have liked to see you doing. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I got into it that way. Um, enjoyed a lot of club racing. I think once I did start to like racing uh, back at Norfolk Rules and yeah it went from there really and then sort of competing on the national circuit from there was that yeah it took natural? a few years I think I did my first Optimus Nationals in 2013 at Weymouth and I actually came came last oh. at, at that event yeah it's my we've I didn't all really, been there <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I've, uh, didn't really know how to race in any fleet bigger than 10 boats at the, at the time and so getting put into a a 70 boat 80 boat fleet um on a start line out in Weymouth Bay wasn't wasn't really a natural natural skill I had at the time um but yeah I got the hang of it and after after that I moved into the topper once I got I got too big for an oppie yeah and for people that don't know you you're 6'3 6 6'4 6 <laughs> don't get that far I'm you're quite you're, pushing 6'2 you're, you're tall yeah. on the tall side so yeah. a topper sort of a bit more favourable boat for yourself in an Optimus? Yeah, it was definitely the natural step. I actually didn't want to move out of the Optimus, um, but I remember just being told by so many people that I was too big. I wasn't get, I wasn't able to get selected for the zone squad because I was just too big. Um, but I remember my mum writing a letter to Paul Wren, um, basically saying, 
uh, if James moves into a topper, can you give him a place in the East Zone squad that year? And he agreed, and I went from there really. And then the year after that, I got intermediate national squad in the topper. Yeah. So good progression into the topper. Yeah, definitely. I think as soon as I moved in, it was just I could sail the boat better. Um, it suited me, and I think I just enjoyed the sailing more. It's interesting when you look at the current UK fleet of you know the standard sailors or the Ilka Seven. Yeah. I think there's more sailors came through that topper route than mm. the Optimist route. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's definitely changing. It used to be Optimist was all that Optimist where where all the good sailors are coming from, but actually I think as time goes on, the equipment kind of develops a bit. The topper's quite a suitable choice now. For but, sure. Yeah. And then you, of course, ended up in the laser class, but sort of what was the next step? Did you do 4.7s or straight to radials? Yeah, I did 4.7s for a year. Um, I think I was I was just thinking I was too small for a radial still, but obviously too big for a topper, and I thought it was a natural, naturally good step to do and try and go for 4.7 national squad instead of doing a year in radials and surviving on open training and things like that. So I did that and I qualified for the 4.7 national squad that winter, um, which I think definitely helped me jump into a laser and get learn the ropes a lot quicker. Um, and then, but unfortunately I didn't qualify for the summer squad that year. Um, yeah, just didn't do too well enough at the events. And Was that because maybe you're a bit younger than the other people, you know, fresh into the... Yeah, potentially, I'm not really, I don't really know what it was at the time I don't really remember um, it's just I just didn't qualify didn't didn't make the cut and just well I carried on going anyway just yeah okay, those things that happen and then did you get back into a 4.7 squad or was it no well that was my I only did one year in 4.7 so okay. I did the Worlds in Newport that year um, ended up actually I think getting more about the same amount of letters as numbers <laughs> in that qualifying series I think I got Black Flag Black Flag and DSQ I, I had a similar experience at the same Worlds the week after. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's it's quite a tidal venue, isn't it? Yeah, so it's very. easy to get a black flag. Yeah, and yeah definitely. At the time, I was, for me, I, I, I was pushing the rule 42 limit a bit yeah. too much as well, which didn't <laughs> yeah. help. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, and I think I remember talking to my dad thinking I had enough of the event and I wanted to go home. And yeah, and we left. We left for the fi- <laughs> before the final series started. Right. Which, looking back in hindsight, wasn't the best thing to do. Um, yeah, I don't really think it's a good idea to stop an event midway through anymore. Just you always you can always take points away from just even if it's not the racing you want to do or you've you're in a bad mood. You shouldn't really let that affect your your decision making if you carry on in the event or not. You've got to do it until the end. I think. Yeah, I I can see it from both sides. I think if there's a limit to where you physically just don't want to be then even if you try and reset yeah maybe it is you know best to you know Make go away stop, but if yeah. you just have one bad day you know and ultimately your mood in the morning the next day is you know something could happen yeah you know just keep at it and yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is the more you do it you know the progression will come yeah yeah which has come throughout you know your career Coming on a bit later because radials was a bit more tougher for you. Were you not in the yeah, squad at all? No, I didn't. Time? I moved into radials a year after four point sevens. Um, I think that year, I joined the Royal Hospital School on a sailing scholarship. 
Um, and yeah, I just obviously sailing on Alton Water, uh, which is where uh, where the school the, the the piece of water the school is actually situated next to. You don't get it's just inland lake sailing, and I I don't think it really benefited my sailing a huge amount. Um, in terms of obviously when you turn up to a qualifier, it's usually tidal venues out at sea, and so it just didn't really give me the opportunity to qualify for a youth squad or anything. Um, closest I came, I think, was eighth at youth nationals or something. I don't actually remember the result in Largs. Um, so is that just one place off the selection, was it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I went into that event thinking that I was going to try and qualify for that for the squad anyway. wasn't really, didn't really think it was in my sort of um, vision at the time. Um, that yeah. was an exceptionally cold event as well. Mm, it was, yeah. It was, uh, a lot of wind as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. especially the first couple of days was quite windy. Yeah. I think we lost a couple of days as well, didn't we, during that? Yeah, week. well, I was I was staying on the, the island. Um, I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, I know, you know, the Scottish will uh, be shouting down their phones right now, you know, yeah, listening yeah. to this. But I, I can't remember, but I know the island you're on yeah, about. Yeah, um, and the ferry actually, I think the ferry stopped crossings. Right before we'd we wouldn't go out sailing before the they'd call it a yeah, day. I think I um. And I was in a proper predicament in terms of if I come over, I need to find somewhere to stay if I couldn't get back home. Yeah, just I think so I'm I could under get hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you're good mates with Joe Drake, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, not far from you. No. So just talk about that, really. You know, friendship with Joe and sort of racing with him. You know, was he always sort of a similar, you know you know when you're coming through the radials and stuff was he always sort of the the man sort of there with you I, to be honest there's always someone that I, when I was younger I actually always looked up to he was always that one step ahead in terms of squads and stuff and he moved in about a year or two before I moved into each rig right. um, we only really became good friends I think around when I got a bit older when I was like 2018 2019 um, so when you're both in the standards yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So obviously at that time, Joe was a lot better, better than me. Um, and he, yeah, he kind of almost just took me under his wing and just helped, like we did some training in Lowestoft um, with him and stuff. And then Christian came and joined us uh, after the lockdown, first lockdown in twenty twenty, um, which is when I think I really started to get a lot better um, in terms of just sailing the boat, and then after coming down to Weymouth after that and racing. Um, that's where it all kind of started, I think, for me. Yeah, for sure. I think if people have tracked your results or known you since you stepped into the rig, you've sort of progressed the most, I'd say, over the difficult COVID times. Would you say that was a big part of it, you know, training with Joe and training with Christian, having yeah. that opportunity? Yeah, definitely. Because um, at the time you weren't in a youth squad at all. No, no, I, yeah, I don't think I was even on the radar for anything like that. Um, yeah. I yeah, so I was obviously I just finished my well, so I finished my A levels. I never actually got to do the exams, but that was when we finished. I was in year thirteen, and we obviously been told to go home from school. Um, so I was a boarder at the time at, at RHS, um, and I was almost kind of contemplating whether I should carry on with the sailing or not at that point. I thought with COVID, it was obviously going to be tricky. Events were getting cancelled. Be able to train properly wasn't really very easy for me. I mean, I live about 45 minutes away from Lowestoft. 
Um, but is then, that the, your nearest club now? Yeah, that's the club I joined when I was at RHS just because it was a sea. Uh, it was on the sea, and so I could get a bit of training in a proper sea state. Um, although there was only two lasers there, me, Joe, and I. So, yeah, with that, then I, um, we started training down at Lowestoft. Uh, when Christian came down for the lockdown for about six weeks. And it was like almost every day in a, uh, each week just going and sailing. And yeah, that's just when I think my progression started to go up quite high. Just, I think I got up to weight. I was just able, obviously training with Joe and Christian who were both very good at the time. Um, just learned a lot from it. And yeah, eventually just got better from it. And all three of you, very good on the bike as well. <laughs> so some big cycles in there as well. Yeah, there, yeah, there was. Um, to be honest, at the time I wasn't really that big on the bike. I was just almost because I was sailing so much. I was just sailing fit. The the bike the bike stuff never never really came in until like twenty twenty one winter. Yeah. Um, which is actually quite quite recent actually when you think about it. But um. Yeah, only. Yeah. Yeah, only a year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's when that stuff all started. We went down to Weymouth after we were able to. I don't remember what the regulations were at the time, but they, I think you couldn't travel outside of your can outside of your county. So we were training at Lowestoft, and as soon as we could, we would all went down to Weymouth and joined in with a lot of the stuff that's going on down there, which was good, really good fun actually. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was sort of very difficult times. Everyone knows where you could train, what you could do. Yeah. Um, so then once you got... So were you in the youth squad over the summer? No, or was it a transitional squad? Or no, there were, I didn't think what, there was any youth squad at the doing? time. I don't actually remember what it was. I wasn't in the youth squad at all. The first time I got into the youth squad, which is almost newly named as the transition projects at the time, um, was that winter. Right. But it was more just we went down and it was just a big group of us. And we'd even be lucky enough to uh, be invited along to some racing with um, Elliot and Mickey we're from Chris that, that which really helped I mean just understanding how to sell the boat from some of the best laser sailors in the world yeah you know I think whoever's raced against those guys in practice racing you know a lot of people race against them you know at a qualifier but in practice racing you just realise how serious and dedicated they are yeah yeah and you know, I think just getting yourself into that same mentality can really progress you. Yeah, definitely. You just see how they go about things and it's just, yeah, it opens your eyes to actually that's how you should be doing things and that's the way to do it and that's where you'll get the most from it. Yeah, it's it's the simplest of things and it's not even the stuff on the water, like all the time it's stuff, you know, on shore. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Their efficiency is just, you know, second yeah. to none. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, so you, you then progress, you then looking at your final year of under 21s in 2021. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what are sort of going into that season, what are sort of your goals and aspirations? I actually, um, obviously I, I didn't really, I hadn't had an international result before, for that year. So I was kind of going into it blind. Um, Christian and I were lucky enough to get out to Villamora for the continental qualifier that um spring yeah about um, time, wasn't it? yeah with lorenzo we drove out with him and that was the first international competition since poland the europeans yeah i think so. 
Um, very tough feet and very tough racing. I think it's probably one of the hardest events that I've done so far. Although this could top it next week. Yeah. Um, with the entry list, but uh, yeah, and I think I learned loads from that. And although it wasn't an under twenty one event, it kind of gave me a bit of a gauge as to where I should be looking going into the under twenty one Europeans in Montenegro, and then obviously after that, I gauge where I want to finish the worlds off of Montenegro. Um, but I didn't really have a goal, like a result in mind. I think it was more going there and just seeing what the work I've done given me, what potential it's given me in in the event, um, which actually was quite quite surprising. Um, I think I, I didn't really expect to do that, to do as well as I did. Granted, if you look at the final result, it wasn't what I could have finished, what, where I could have finished. Um, so I think I won, I won my first international race in Montenegro, uh, the last, the second to last race in qualifying, which really I needed that to qualify me for Goldfleet because I had probably one of the worst day sailing I have ever had in the first day of that event. So Um, just talk about that race win then. So say it's your first sort of international Mm -hmm. race win. I know I've been in that position before where you're, you're leading from the pack. Just talk through the race. Did you have a big lead or did you... Was yeah. it quite a fight right to the end? Or? Um, it was it was a fight right to the end. So I think we we started and it was a it was a go right track effectively. Um, I started down the pin and was you know going to tack at the earliest moment. I got an early cross, um, which meant I could kind of lead out from the middle uh, on the on the right. And I remember Christian was just above a few boat lengths further up, and we were you know obviously just charging along. And I think. I think he rounded maybe just behind me on that one um and then julian hoffman and then a bunch behind him and i was thinking oh, i'm in first never really been at the front of a fleet like this before and you you think that you kind of freeze at the op- at the the opportunity but i think i was the first downwind on that race i was a bit kind of on edge that's should we say and julian actually overtook me on that um but then I got got out of the bottom mark, smashed my dagger ball down, my dagger ball stopper uh, <laughs> snapped. And I'm like, okay, well, so if the jury sees me, I don't want to get disqualified or anything. Um, so I had to put it in my buoyancy aid and keep it to the end of the race. Um, but I managed to, you know, get around the gate mark and then go out to the right again. Um, managed to get the last right-hand shift in. Um, and then I think I did I lead, I think I led round the win the second win mark again, but the there's a Croatian just behind me, who absolutely charged on the downwind, overtook me on the downwind, um, and I was just, we rounded the leeward mark. Um, I rounded him just behind him, bit quite a big gap behind us at this point, so we were just effectively battling it out um, all the way up to the end on the final beat. He rounded obviously in front of me on the the final beat um, bottom mark and went for an early cross and I basically hitched out around um, next to him uh, on the inside of him and he'd underlaid this, this line oh. and basically gave me a lane to just get over the top of him by the end of the race or by the end of the time he got to the finish line and yeah I think I won it by a boat length maybe oh that's, that's yeah. a nice way to win it yeah but it was yeah it was quite a, quite a big thing I think because once, you, once you've done it it gives you the confidence you can do it again yeah um, which yeah it was good and then we finished that day and I think I went into the 
finals racing after picking up some quite big scores. I think my, my first race of the event was my discard, which I do have a habit of starting off events like that. Right. Um, did it at the Yarnum 21 Worlds as well. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a probably about a year where that was the case. Yeah. I sort of, don't know what it was, but I, I put it down to the fact that I was a bit too cautious in the first race. Yeah. And then, you know, that would end up being that I just had a bad race and, or... I was a bit nervous and then I'd make yeah, a mistake yeah. and that cost me. Yeah, I think I'm quite the other way, uh, leaning towards the other way about it in terms of I, I pick up, I, I, I basically just need to reel it in a bit sometimes. I go into there with loads of excitement and just I consistently pick up a, like a black flag or a youth flag in the first race. Yeah. And then it's, I mean, after you've gotten that, you then you it puts you in a tough spot to actually reel it in and bring salvage a good result out of it because you can take you have to take so many smaller kind of you can't take as many risks at all well um, you can't win an event on the first day especially six day championship yeah. but then you definitely lose, lose it. it yeah yeah exactly um, but yeah I think I'm, I'm working on that I think I've gotten better at it but yeah and then went into finals racing like that and it's quite 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 a nice event in terms of the memories because I remember finals racing. We only had a day of it because we lost the last day to I think lack of wind to be honest. Um but it was me Christian and I just at the front of the fleet, um, knocking in top threes the the whole time, which uh would have uh, for me, I would have um finished seventh had I not capsized to the bottom mark in the last race when I was second. Um I would have you know, finished off the event quite nicely for me, but instead I picked up another discard, had to carry about 30 extra points, which put me back in the 20s instead of where I could have finished. But it was obviously definitely gives me the confidence that going into the under 21 worlds that I had the speed and I was able to be at the front of the fleet. Yeah, for sure. And you, you know, you, you sort of have got a bit of a, of a chip in your shoulder as well when, you know, something to prove when. You know that you could have had a better result deep yeah. down, but then mm-hmm. it didn't ultimately have it. You want yeah. to prove people actually no, it's not an excuse. It, yeah, I genuinely yeah completely that. yeah. So um, then you did a couple of days at the nationals just before the under twenty one world. Yeah, we did did the youth nationals as well. Um, yeah, that didn't go as I as I planned. I don't think I just think I was in not in the right mindset for it, and I was just I felt it was it was a chore almost for to drive all the way to Plymouth. It wasn't a venue I particularly liked sailing at. Um, but it's not, it's not a mindset I should have really been in, but I just didn't really want to go, which obviously isn't, isn't great, but it was just how it was. And I just didn't really show my full potential there. Um, obviously, I was aiming to win the event, end up finishing fifth or something. Um, which... it's, it's sometimes you just have that feeling but, yeah you know when yeah. you go to an event or event I think it was event. more the fact that I just I hadn't had I hadn't really raced well there before I never really understood the place and so it didn't really fill me with much confidence of, that I would go there and know exactly what I was doing because it's quite tidal and all the tidal streams move in different ways it's not a set you go this way when it's this um, this time of the day it's all over the place and I just never really got got the gist of it yeah, I was on, uh, uh, you know, ribs during that week, and it was difficult just to figure out from a on the rib, mm, yeah, you know, perspective, what that 
was doing. I, yeah. I think racing inside the harbour was, you know, if you're on the wrong side, you lost so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But out in the bay, that week was quite difficult. Just the way mm. the wind was coming in and yeah. the the way that you had both entrances to so people that know, you know, by the breakwater, or which side's going yeah. to pay off in a way. Mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, on the Ilka 7 course, you're racing on the outer loop, it's then suddenly totally yeah, different. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It just, it was all over the place and I think the wind, the wind strength was, it was that marginal hiking conditions but quite a lot of sea state, yeah. which isn't, I would say is my strongest, I'd say it's probably one of my weaker, weakest conditions um, at the time. Um, but yeah, did the event, didn't really enjoy it that much, but it didn't really put me, didn't really make me think that I wasn't capable, like, uh, uh, that I'd gotten, that I was bad or anything. It was just one of those events where you don't really almost want to do it. Yeah. And you just, you're in that mindset, and what can you do really? Um, yeah. And then just after you've nationals, literally a couple of days later was the Lazy Nationals, so you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't do it the whole week. No, yeah, whole so week, I'd, uh, yeah, we, I'd actually cancelled my entry to the event because obviously we planned to do it when the under-21s were going to be in Weymouth because mm. it was, it worked out quite nicely. Um, but obviously now having to travel to Poland, we couldn't do the, all, the whole event. So I cancelled my entry and then because Christian got COVID, he almost persuaded me to do the 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 first two days um of the nationals with him because he hadn't obviously didn't done the youth nationals because of covid and yeah we did the first two days that was quite good fun um yeah and then we flew out to poland you you were saying quite nicely at, at the youth nationals in those couple of days i remember you stacking a few times downwind inside the <laughs> harbour yeah <laughs> it's one of those one of those races where you have an absolute nightmare and nothing goes right and i remember this one race where so you, you were flying upwind, you went round the windward mark, stacked it, and then up the second beat, you, you had me by the top mark, and then you capsized again yeah. on the I second know, I, think, I think I capsized <laughs> four times in, that, in yeah. that race, actually. I remember the first time I was crossing, I was, I was kind of bow forward on the Canadian Norman at the top mark, and I was like, can I go? And obviously in 30 knots, or 25, 30 knots, you can barely hear what anyone's saying. Yeah. And so when I thought he said go he actually said no yeah and i had to crash tack and capsize straight away um yeah got up then and went downwind just capsized at the top and then obviously the more you fall back the more you try and push it and so i just capsized at the bottom again and i was like this is an absolute nightmare and i thought to myself oh if i capsize again it's an absolute joke and then obviously the top marker came out of attack and my feet just slipped in the cockpit (laughs) i capsized again um but yeah, but you were you were going quick then. Then going into the under twenty one worlds, you know you obviously had the speed there as well because you finished thirteenth. Yeah, right? finished thirteenth there. Um, I, I I always have a, you know, a feeling I could have finished higher had I not gone about the event the way I did. Um, I actually so I turned up to the event and we we actually missed our flight. Um, Drew and I we were staying together and we got the same flight with Christian and Matilda. And I remember we were having lunch at uh, in the airport, and we ni- neither of us really checked um, what the how long the gate was open for. And I I'd never been caught out by this before, so I thought I was going to be open for half an hour. At Stansted Airport, we had to get a shuttle to our gate, and so basically our gate opened, and we were just settling. We just finished up paying at the um, 
at the place we ate at and then we went to the toilet and then grabbed a bottle of water from the shop and then got on the shuttle and we get these messages from like Christian Matilda saying you need to hurry up the gate's closing and we're on a shuttle that we can't make go any faster it's stopping at every stop yeah. uh, on the way to the gate and we turned up to the gate and it was closed although we could see people still getting on the plane right so we're like can you just not let us through like we can't miss the flight all that stuff and they just didn't let us on and so um yeah we missed our flight we were contemplating whether to sleep on the airport floor and like make a tiktok or something try and go get it to go viral or something like that but uh no we went and stayed at a friend's house instead that night and then got the flight uh the next morning um but yeah we turned up to that event and then so that was a bit mindset wise it no, can, I, yeah, I don't think that affects somebody, but yeah, I don't think that that affected me at all. I think I just thought, oh well, we we're not really missing much. To be honest, the next flight was early in the morning, and this mm. one was evening flight, so it was just more like you didn't have that evening to settle in. Either um, way, it's a little bit extra yeah. stress that you yeah don't exactly, have, but... um, and your, your parents aren't happy as well when yeah you, you make a stupid mistake like that. But you know, we it happened anyway. We got out there, and I just I remember the the start of the event I just wasn't sailing very well at all I I just wasn't it was it was an offshore wind uh, very shifty you know what Galinia's like or yeah. when it's off the land just all over the place which is quite similar to here um, but yeah we didn't have our coach Charlie out there until because his, his flight from America kept on getting delayed or cancelled so he actually ended up turning up I think a couple of days later than we planned um, but I'm definitely a person that if they're not sailing well they'll sail more until they do sail well so I didn't take a day off at all at that event I think we were there five days before and I sailed all of those five days before just because I thought well, how I was sailing wasn't good enough to be able to get the result I wanted and yeah so I, you could say I went, into, went into the event slightly burnt out but I think at least I gave myself revived the confidence you know from sailing every day um, before the event to then put out some alright results um, although when I say I don't think I started the event hugely well I didn't I got you flag in the first race right. and I just thought just my luck yeah. and I yeah I didn't think I was over at all to be honest I thought um, it was one of those races where everyone it's the start it's the first race and everyone's quite um, cautious and I thought I had a transit and I thought everyone's like racked quite far back so I was like a boat length ahead of everyone there was a few other people who were as well and I went and I was like oh this is a sick start um, and then like you know finished the race actually it wasn't a great race in the end it was about five knots I think and it was really patchy and it was just all over the place and when you've got 70 boat fleet it's all bunched together it's just an absolute nightmare to sail in um, but yeah I finished that race and had a youth flag and I was like brilliant and then the second race of that day wasn't hugely well great either I think it was like an 18th or a 19th um, so I had I knew I had a lot of work to do to claw my way back and you know first thing was right you already got a, a youth flag now if you get another big result it's going to make it tough to qualify for golf fleet which obviously you know you'd be obviously aiming for um and so I had to really sail quite cautiously the, last, the second two days in qualifying um you know just they're quite windy days they're about 15 to 20 knots 
and that's almost my bread and butter now I think um, so I knew I had the speed to be able to get back up at the front of the fleet after a, a not great start but I was never able to win any races by doing that which then limited me um, into how far up the lead of the, the scoreboard I could actually go um, but yeah I think I qualified got into gold I think I finished around 20 maybe 30 something but that, so you progressed in actual finals racing which is yeah so then I thought it's finals racing now um, just you can take a bit more risk obviously you still want to finish the event well but you've done half the job now effectively of you haven't limited yourself by you know any up until the fleet and you can only get mid fleet at the very best um, so I thought right, I could take more risks now and I first race the first race wasn't great to be honest it was offshore wind shifty about 50, 10 to 15 knots um, I, I managed to go my way back up to I think a 20th or a 30th but then the, the second race on that day I got a 7th or an 8th and then that put me up into like 22nd I think overall and then we did one race on the day after that before the wind completely died and I got a I think a 7th or an 8th again um, and that moved me up to 13th and then that was the last race of the event um, so I think in terms of obviously I'm very happy to finish there because I that was probably my first international result that I've been happy with but at the same time I always think if I did these things differently I could have finished in the top 10 Yeah. just like Montenegro to be honest and then during the winter you know you went down to Villamora again yeah. mm-hmm. and you know trained down there Yeah. you know for those that haven't been to Villamora and you know the benefits of training there sort of why did you go there rather than training in Weymouth for the majority of the winter um, it's just I think it's different conditions to Weymouth Weymouth's obviously very windy in the winter um, whereas Villamora is you can get a bit of everything especially the sea state the sea state's a lot different Weymouth is very dependent on whether which way the wind's blowing in terms of what sea state you get if it's a westerly you don't get much out in the bay whereas if it's an easterly then it can be quite big. Whereas in Villamore, you've always got some sort of underlying swell, um, which makes things a bit more interesting, um, especially when a lot of the European venues are quite are quite similar to that in terms of you can get light winds, but a lot of swell, you don't get that in Weymouth. So that was obviously the obviously choice, obvious choice. Um, and that's just where the, it's just where the most of the um, foreigners train in the winter. It's either there or Lanzarote, I think. In the, over the past couple of years um, it's just also quite a challenging place to race at um, especially when the sun's shining because it's so low mm. so you can't see much in the water so it really kind of hones in your fleet racing skills in terms of watching the fleet and watching what's happening engaging that off off how you race in terms of uh, rather than um, being able to see say a bit of pressure on the right you go to the right might not necessarily be the case when you can't see anything um, but yeah, we were we were out there in December for the Grand Prix, and yeah, left a lot of stuff out there, and we're back and forth over the two months after that. Yeah, sure. And um, then you came back to the UK uh, after Villamora, did the three qualifiers. You won your first qualifier at Stokes Bay. Yeah. Mm. You know, after the first day, you know you should have been leading overall, but you know your boom broke. 
Yeah. Uh, well, what's it? The eye at the end. Yeah, the, the, the eye at the end broke. Yeah, so, brand new boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, must have been quite a night. Quite frustrating. I was next to you when that happened, yeah. and I was like, "You're in a sixteen-year-old boat <laughs> with black spars." Older than that, it's yeah, twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three years old boat, and you know, and now I'm using a, effectively a brand new boom um, that I've only used five times before, and one of the the fixings with the least load on the on it broke. Yeah. And I was like, that's just my luck, isn't it? it so, yeah. It's mad when you actually think about, you know, back in the day, some, sometimes it, stuff's made actually a bit stronger. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. The blocks on the boom I was using were tied on. Were they? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, like, the corrosion was that bad. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's never going into an event, mm-hmm. like a big event, you never want to put on a brand new spa unless you haven't trialed it. Yeah. And that's the point proven, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that happened in the last race, and yeah, I went, I went, I went back home in quite a bad mood. Yeah. Just more of the fact that that shouldn't have that that breakage shouldn't have happened, and it's not something I could tell that was going to happen. You wouldn't expect it from a very very new boom, but it happened anyway. And. But you yeah. obviously reset, you know, quite well. You know, you had the speed on the Saturday. You can, you know, you potentially have won all three races really. So. Going on Sunday, was that sort of how you were thinking? Okay, I'm the quickest guy here. I just need to be, you know, sensible. Uh, I should win this. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I think I probably... I should have been a lot more punctual in starts and stuff. But I think the fact that I did have a, a slight speed edge didn't really make me push on the starts, which you could think is... You could look at it as quite a good thing because you're mitigating that risk of, you know, getting a black flag or something. But at the same time did make my life a lot harder, you know, obviously trying to win every race. Um, but yeah, I think it was more, once you round the top mark in like third or second, you can kind of pick away and then end up getting a front from that. I think um, you only yeah. have to look at, actually if there's trackers on board, how you were coming through, you know, often the first half to beat, you would be top 10, but not, you know, yeah. top five every race. Mm-hmm. But then by the, the top mark, you're top five. By the end of the race, you're top three, you know, that yeah. sort of, that was a progression, you know, you're just coming into each race. Yeah. You know, like. Um. Yeah, I didn't really have much idea what was going on with the tide. I mean, obviously Jake didn't do the, he couldn't do it because he had COVID, so he's quite familiar with Stokes Bay. And so I was asking for all the tips. Um. But to be honest, so when I was out there, I just couldn't see what was really working because it seemed like both sides of the course were working um, at quite equal amounts. I, was, I wasn't I was always going one side. I was playing both sides at the points and didn't seem to lose me anything. Or, yeah. I was, so. just, I was just trying to follow Nick Harrison and <laughs> see, see yeah. where he was going. Yeah, so. I was, yeah I was, that's why one of the things that Jake wasn't there for, well, was, that was my plan was to follow Jake or follow Finn because I know he's quite good on the tactical things such as Tide yeah um, for sure and then going back to Weymouth you, was it two second places yeah Weymouth yeah. just behind Whaley just behind Whaley so. yeah um, but yeah tough, tough, he's a tough one to beat um, I think the the first quality, the first one we had just the first the second day of racing four races he um, he managed to tip it in on the top reach and I was just behind him and yeah after that I was I think I had quite a big lead at that point and it was just a case of managing the whole fleet and after that he kind of brought it all and won the next two and then we got to the to the last race 
and it was he was effectively posing me the idea of why don't we just go in and get a shower before everyone else and not do the last race because we had our discards at that point he'd scored a two first and a second I scored a first and two seconds but I was like no I want to want to try and beat you in the last ones to try and get the win yeah um I should have gone about it quite quite differently, if I'm honest. But you should have said yeah. to him, "Yeah, let, let, let's go in." <laughs> yeah, I just need yeah. to get someone to commit you vote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, he ended up winning the race anyway by by a decent margin, actually. And yeah, kind of just went away thinking, right, what can I what can I have done differently? Which now I do know I probably should have just tried to match race him or something. Yeah. Uh, or just you know at least be near him. Um, that's a, that's the good thing about the qualifiers is it you know you have a good fleet and it, you can get yourself into these positions and then learn about it before you do it on yeah. the international scene. Yeah, exactly. Because they come a lot less frequently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so talk about the international scene out here in Palmer. Sort of what's your you know goals you know for this sort of season? So you've got Palmer and then here then the worlds. Is that sort of yeah. your lead up for the worlds? Yeah. Yeah. So um. I think the goal is definitely it's my first proper year in seniors just moved out of the under-21s so I think it's definitely like learning the ropes still I didn't do that many senior events before before I moved out so it's still still quite new um, I think I'm, I'm definitely getting the hang of it it's just there's still obviously quite a lot of things that you do wrong and you don't realise you've done them wrong until you see the actual outcome of what you've just done kind of thing or when you lose 10 places on some stupid decision that you could get away with at a under-21 fleet but you couldn't get away with it when you're sailing against the best in the world um, but yeah I think it's just definitely learning learning the fleet I, and then towards the end of the year when it uh, the Europeans in November I think they are I want to be punching in some some top results not top results but obviously progressive results yeah for sure mm. it's quite a weird season you know having the Worlds last year so late in November yeah. and then having the Worlds in May so early, yeah. and then having the Europeans in November it's kind of like having you know two seasons straight back to back yeah, yeah exactly so the lead yeah. up's going to be quite interesting the back end of that yeah what sort of so you've not been here in Palmer before but no, sort of yeah. what's your base knowledge here or what are you sort of expecting anything that sort of you know you're um, I, everyone's just the people I've spoken to about it it's just been like, oh, it's choppy. Um, I think Ali was saying that it was choppy and if it comes down on the mountains like it has been the last two days, then it's a complete mess, which I see I see her reasoning for now. Um, I don't really know much about the venue at all. Just that what I've sailed in so far has been quite funky and you can definitely come back from being dead last in the race just by betting against the fleet almost yeah. Um, yeah but I think it'll be interesting um, so yeah. far I've been out here a few more days than you mm-hmm. but so far it has been that that you know you you can't it's not a particular side's always working yeah and you can come back into races if you've had a bad start so, yeah exactly you know, I think, it's, yeah it's one of those kind of racing where the start you know you always get the starts one of the most important parts of the race but mm-hmm. when it's so shifty and it's so crazy like it's just really not sometimes obviously you do want to get a good start but you definitely take starting away from a bias end of the line to have the option to tack when you want to rather than starting it 
say, a pin bias line and being held out by someone who doesn't want to attack yeah. when you're on a left shift, um, especially when it switches so much. Uh, I've definitely found that today. It's just you can be getting a great start at the right end and then not getting the benefit from it, whereas the other people who don't get such a good start get the benefit straight away and then they're on to the next one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it it sounds like you you know a little bit what to do. Yeah. So best of luck this week, though, James. Cheers, hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully you yourself. don't beat me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But um, thanks for listening, and we're sure to bring another one soon.